so this morning, we get to talk about the thing that uh, everyone likes, but nobody really likes to talk about, especially here at church, because it's, it's too intimate. Some people think it's, uh, it's kind of scandalous. Um, some people think it's a little dirty, when really it's just a natural part of life, but to talk about it has become kind of taboo. And everyone likes it, and sometimes people are happier once they get some, <laughs> and everyone wants more of it in their lives. I'm talking about money. <laughs> I don't know why you all are laughing. What's the, what's the, what's the joke here, okay? Um, <clears throat> get your minds out of the gutters, all right? Uh, but seriously, uh, we're, we're talking about money today, and it's something that makes people a little uh, uncomfortable, a little embarrassed to, to talk about, especially here in church for the church to talk about money, because money is it's, it's a personal thing. It's, it's not like a spiritual thing, Right? But everything that is a personal thing is also a spiritual thing, and everything that is a spiritual thing is also a personal thing. And on top of that, Jesus talked about money, well, a lot, <laughs> a lot. He talked about money a lot, and, and yet Jesus, now, I'll give you, a, you know, a way out of this. Jesus, as far as we can tell throughout the New Testament, uh, never took up an offering, you know, he didn't give the, the Sermon on the Mount, and then James and John were down there at the mountain base, you know, passing around the baskets. Jesus never really took up an offering, and so you might be wondering, you know, well, Jesus didn't do it, so Jason, why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because I'm not Jesus, okay? And... <laughs> I really like having the lights on <laughs> and the bills paid and supporting missions and doing all sorts of great stuff. And, and even though we may not like to talk about it, and even though it might make you a little uncomfortable to talk about it, this might be one of the most important messages that you ever hear. Because I'm not just trying to get something from you. I'm not. I'm trying to give something to you. I want something for you as it relates to your money. Because God deeply cares about how we relate to our money. Jesus and his followers in the New Testament talked a lot about, as Jesus knows, that the chief competitor for our hearts at least for our adult hearts, that the chief competitor for our hearts is our money. And when you begin to view your money and see your money as God sees your money, then, you're, then it will free you up to worship and serve God with your whole heart. Hence, that's the name of this whole series that we've been talking about, wholeheartedly opening up our hearts to God, responding to God, to God with our whole hearts, engaging in the world with our whole hearts. And so the connection between wholeheartedly and money really just comes down to two words, generosity and wisdom. 
generosity, and wisdom. In fact, if you were to look in the Bible at all the places, all the times that money is referenced to, and you were to compile all that, distill it, and put it down into two categories, all of those verses, and there's a lot, if you were to put all of those verses into two categories, it would be those two, generosity and wisdom. And so let's talk about the second one first, because until we can become wise with our money, we will never be generous with our money. But we're going to move quickly because, honestly, there's a lot of people who have a lot more wisdom than I do when it comes to finances. And so I would encourage you, you know, Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace, Crown, you know, whatever it is, talk show, whatever, go and find that. Um, I told my wife last night, I said, you know, because... I kind of enjoy this a little bit. I told my wife last night, I actually wish I had like three weeks to preach on money. And I thought it would be so great, right? And she looked at me and said, I don't think anybody else wishes that for you. So we're going we're gonna to move quick, okay? So here's what happens. When we are unwise with our money, when we don't wait, make wise choices, we come to realize that we are no longer managing our money, but that our money is now managing us. And that comes through a bunch of subtle, small, little, unwise decisions. And the mix-up happens for, for most people, not you, of course, but, but for most people, the mix-up happens when we forget that our finances abide by the laws of the harvest. You know the laws of the harvest, that, that what you sow now, you reap later. That what you sow now, you reap later. So we get this when it's like our retirement fund, right? You sow a little amount in, and it builds and builds, and you keep sowing, 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 and over time, and later on in life, you reap what you have sown. We get that. But what we often don't get is how the laws of the harvest apply to our daily checking accounts. Daily checking accounts. And so there's two farmers. And they both go out to sow the crop for the new season. And the first farmer sows sows his seed. He plants it in the ground. The second farmer doesn't. And so a, a week later, what's there to show? Nothing. There's, there's really no difference between these two farmers and their two plots of land. One sowed and one didn't, and there's really nothing to show. But a couple weeks later, a couple months later, you'll see that there's a huge difference that what you sow now, you reap later. And so likewise, that what you sow now, maybe a small debt, a few nights out to dinner, a couple new pairs of shoes, whatever it may be, what you sow now doesn't really look like a whole lot at the end of the week. I mean, it, it doesn't seem to really make a difference, but you get that credit card statement at the end of the month and you begin to see it. Or you let that balance hang on there for an entire year as the interest grows and you come to realize that what you have sown was actually a weed in your financial garden that is now choking the life out of everything else. What you sow now, you reap later. 
And so this is, if you get nothing else, this is really important. Wanting something is so much better than having that something and owing someone else for that something. Wanting something is so much better than having that something and owing someone else. And so if I could just give you some financial advice as a pastoral advice, whatever, it would be this. Give, save, live. Give first, save second, and then live on the rest. That if we all had that approach to money, we would be so much better off financially, and we would have financial peace, and I bet that we would be living wholeheartedly. Because that's how you find financial peace. When your finances abide by the laws of the harvest. Give, save, live. Give first, save second, and then live on all the rest. And so whether you really go to this church or not, and whether you give to this church or not, if you organize your financial world around those principles and in, in that order, give, save, live, you will thank me for it. You will. You'll thank me for it. But here's the oxymoron of, of kind of all of this is that when you are generous, you will give more. Yes, of course. When you're generous, you will give more. But when you're generous, you will probably also save more. And you will consume and spend less. That when you're generous, you'll give more, of course. But I bet you'll also save more and spend less. That if you organize your financial world around generosity and giving first, then you will be more prudent with how you spend your money and how you save your money. See, most of us feel financial pressure because we haven't learned how to be generous. And so it doesn't seem to make sense when we're trying to calculate dollars and cents to all of this. But, but for many of us, our financial problems are not really financial problems. They're spiritual problems. They're, they're heart problems. Not for all of us, but for many of us, the financial problems that we have are not just finance problems. They're heart problems. And that order, give, save, live, that order, that's the biblical model, the biblical principle, the biblical orientation towards our finances. You see, the, the Bible doesn't just teach us how to give, but the Bible teaches us how to be generous. I mean, we all, we all know how to give. You know how to sign a check. You know how to put money in the basket. You know when someone asks you for something that you can give it. We know how to give. We all know how to do something. But what Jesus teaches us is how to be something, how to be someone. And what Jesus wants for us to learn is how to become generous. 
by cultivating generosity in our daily lives. Not because Jesus wants something from us. I mean, Jesus doesn't just want your money. He's Jesus. What's he going to do with your money? But he wants something for you. And there's a difference. There's a difference between giving and generosity. There's a difference between the two. Generosity is more than just random acts of giving. And now, I love random acts of giving, okay? Don't, don't mishear me. I love random acts of giving, donating to hurricane relief efforts, you know, donating school supplies, donating supplies to uh, Grace House, a shelter for homeless uh, women, donating candy to Trunk or Treat. I'm, I'm all for random acts of giving, and you all are great at that, but generosity is a little bit different. It's a little bit broader than just giving, Because generosity is not something that you do. Generosity is a virtue that defines who you are and who you will become. Generosity is learning to organize your entire financial world around giving first and foremost. It's not just an act, but it's an approach And generosity, this is important, generosity really has nothing to do with your income. I know that seems like a shock, but, you know, I've been doing this pastor's gig long enough to realize that rich people are not by default generous people. Rich people are not by default generous people. Generosity has nothing to do with your income. Also, poor people are not generous People, middle class people are not generous people. Generous people are generous people. And so one day, Jesus noticed that a rich man went over and dropped a large sum of money in the offering basket and then went on with his day. And then he looked up and he noticed that there was a poor widow who went over and dropped just a couple pennies in the offering basket and went on with her day. And Jesus took notice and he said this. He said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty in all that she had to live on. Now, she didn't actually give more money. But to Jesus and the way that Jesus sees money, she gave more because she was generous. But we often confuse generous generosity with affluency all the time. That if someone were, were to give a big donation, we would say, wow, what a generous gift. Well, it might be a generous gift, but the truth is we don't actually know. The only person who knows that if it was a generous gift or not is the person who gave it. And the IRS, I guess, would know if it was a generous gift or not. But everyone Everyone can be generous. Generosity does not have to do with an amount, but it has everything to do with our hearts. Because generosity is based on priority. And whenever there is a priority that you set, that means that there will be a sacrifice. That means that a sacrifice will be demanded. And therefore... Generosity does not come naturally to us, right? It's something that 
We have to cultivate. It's something that we have to learn how to do over time. Instead, what does come naturally to us as it relates to money is insanity. Insanity comes naturally to us, at least for for most Americans. Most Americans spend more money than they make. That's crazy. I would show you the number, but I didn't want to depress you all too much this morning. And not only that, but they pay interest on those items that they have purchased that will only decrease in value over time, but because of interest, their cost will increase over time. That's insanity. And it's become natural. It's become a part of our financial world. But generous people, generous people are free of that. Because generous people organize their entire financial world around giving first, around giving it away. It's set, it's calculated, it's designated, it's dedicated, and it's freeing. And even though the rest of the world thinks that it is insane when they look at their financial world, it actually makes a lot of sense. And so let me ask you this morning, how much money would you need to be at peace? How much money would you need to be at peace? I mean, really, think about it. Think, have, have a number in your head. What, what would that amount be? How much money would you need to be at peace? And I'm going to read all of your minds. Because I know what that amount is. It's more. <laughs> it's more than you currently have. And short, more money might make you feel a little bit more relieved, but in all likelihood, it's not going to bring you actually lasting peace. Unless, of course, you're practicing generosity. <clears throat> so, uh, let me share this with you. <coughs> from uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Excuse me. You can read it to yourself. It says this. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. So as goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? Why? Why is that so? You see, more money doesn't make you more disciplined. More money does not make you more self-controlled. More money does not make you more content. But generosity regardless of income, puts all of these things in order. And it leads to wholehearted living. It, it really does. Because people who, who live a life wholeheartedly, those are people who are essentially at peace. They're at peace in their own inner kind of spiritual life. They're at peace with their relationships. And they're at peace in their finances. And that is totally different than how we have been accustomed to think and see money. 
because the word that is most associated with money is worry. Worry. And you know what worry does? Worry leads us to spend more than we make, which puts us in debt. And then because we are in debt, we don't have any margin. We don't have any wiggle room in our budget. We haven't really saved anything because we have these interest rates. And because we don't have any margin, we then worry. And then we're discontent. And we spend more than we make. And we go into debt. And because we don't have any margin, we then worry. Worry is a cyclical cycle that makes us worried sick. And so listen to what Jesus says here. When he gives some financial advice based on our spiritual lives, he says this. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That wherever your treasure is, your heart is going to follow. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart is going to follow. And sometimes we wish that Jesus would have said this in reverse, that where our heart is, there our treasure is. But he said what he said, and he meant what he meant. That our attitudes towards money and the priority that we place on our possessions are matters of the heart. And they go to the core of our identity. So where's your heart in, your, in relationship to your money? Where, where are your priorities? Is it give first, save second, live on the rest? Or is it just the opposite of that? Live first, save second-ish, and give if I got some left over. See, generosity, generosity is about setting priorities. It's organizing your entire financial life, your entire financial world around giving first. Setting priorities, and priorities always demand a sacrifice. And so then Jesus goes on to to what seems like just a rambling tangent here, but it's actually related to what he just said about money. So he goes on and he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. Huh? Okay. So if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Okay, what? Jesus, hold on. What? I, you, you lost me somewhere. Our, our eyes are healthy, and if our eye is unhealthy, then our whole bodies will be full of darkness. Really, Jesus, what, what, what are you talking about here? Let me put it this way. Think, how much more money would you have saved if you had not seen what others had and wanted what they had? And how much more money would you have given away if you had not seen what others had and wanted what they had? You with me? See that if we don't have the right perspective, that if we don't 
see money the way that God sees money, if we don't see generosity the way that God sees generosity, then darkness is going to cover everything. And we're left with discontent. And discontentment doesn't lead to wholehearted living. And so if that wasn't weird and radical enough, Jesus goes on and he says this. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Well, I don't love money, Jesus. I I mean, I like it a whole lot, and I'd like a whole lot more of it, but I don't love money. But you know what's hard to see in the mirror? Greed is really hard to see in the mirror. When we think of greed, we often think of, you know, Mr. Scrooge, who's the crotchety old guy that spends the whole day alone counting his gold. But greed is the assumption that that if it's placed in my hand, then it's for me. That that if it's placed in my checking account, then then it's for me. That if it's placed in my pocketbook, then then it is for me. And if I win the lottery, that's because God loves me more than anyone else. And so it must be for me. But if you view everything as being for your consumption... You are living this life as if there is nothing more than this life. And greed happens. It's inevitable. It's inevitable when our identity is undefined. When we don't know who we are, when we don't know what our purpose is, then we try to define who we are with more. We try to secure ourselves, our identity, our future, our calling with more. And so listen to what Jesus says next. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink about your body or what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store up in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? See, generous people are not worried people because they do not see money as something to be hoarded. They do not see money as something for their consumption. Generous people see money first and foremost as something to be given away. They're not devoted to it. They don't serve it. Instead, they use their money to serve them and serve a greater purpose through their life. And so Jesus says, don't worry. Don't don't worry about what you'll wear or or what you'll eat. I, I know those things are important to you, and God knows those things are important to you, but but don't worry about them. Instead, what I want you to do is seek first God's kingdom. Seek first God's kingdom, and then everything else will just kind of fall into place. That when you set that priority, everything else just kind of takes shape around it. And in God's kingdom, the priorities are are clearly set. 
And it's always give first because others are first. And so when we organize our money around the economics of God's kingdom, it will demand a sacrifice of us. Yes, sure. But that sacrifice leads to the abundant life. It it leads to living wholeheartedly because we know this and maybe we've tried it. Debt does not lead to wholeheartedness. Discontentment does not lead to wholeheartedness. Greed does not lead to wholeheartedness. We know this. And so how about trying generosity? Not not just doing something, but actively working at cultivating to become something. Try generosity. An intentional commitment to organizing your finances around giving it away first to others. We've all heard before that that it's better to give than to receive, right? When you were a kid, you thought that was just a bunch of baloney, okay? But we've heard that. It's better to give than receive. It's, It's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus actually said that, by the way, just so you know. But do we really trust it? Well, have you ever met an unhappy generous person. I'm not talking about just a giving person, but but a generous person. Someone who sets their finances and prioritizes them to give first. Have you ever met an unhappy, an unjoyous, generous person? Because what Jesus says here is, is, blessed is the person whose life is ordered around giving instead of receiving instead of it being all about them and their consumption, blessed is the person who orders their entire life around giving to others. And so I want to invite you into an experiment to wholehearted living and, and make a commitment to cultivate generosity, to set giving a priority in your financial world and, and maybe for you, that's, that's a tithe. You may have heard that word before. It's, it's a biblical principle that the first 10% of our income goes back to God because we believe that everything has come from God in the first place and it's all going to end up in God's hands at the end. So might as well, while we're manager, managers of it now, give God the first 10%. And we got the, the other 90 to save and live on. But maybe, maybe you don't have that kind of margin in your financial world, and, and I get that, but, but what about starting with 3% or 5% or maybe going up an extra percentage or two? And, and I think percentages are, are really important because percentages set priority. They, they set the tone for, for the rest of your financial life. And so if you're looking for a place to practice generosity. Look no further. <laughs> Look no further to find a way to become a generous person. But, but in all seriousness, in all seriousness, if you're looking for a way to become a generous person, then how about here at First Dunedin? 
if this is your home church, if you're just visiting, you know, I know you're never going to come back because the pastor talked about money and that's all he ever talks about. I promise that's not true. <clears throat> but if this is your home church, this is your home church, then be a generous person and support what God is up to in your home church of First Dunedin. Because I'm, I'm not just asking you to do something. I'm not just asking you to give, but, but I'm inviting you to become someone, to become a generous person. And all I can say, I mean, really all, all that I can say is that it will totally change your life if you totally change your financial life to give first, to make generosity a priority. And yes, there's going to be some sacrifices that have to be made. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But I promise you, and I know that that's a bold word, but I promise you that if you set that priority, that if you commit to cultivating generosity, if you make that a priority in your financial life, I promise you will find that wholehearted life that Jesus promises. So let's pray. So God, some of us are just taking a deep breath (laughs) that I've stopped talking. And some of us are taking a deep breath because Lord, you know. You know the worries that we deal with when it comes to our finances. God, you know what we wrestle with You know all that. And so, Lord, just for all of us here today, God, we offer up this time to lay those worries before you. That by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would give us courage to lay those down before you, offer them up to you, And that you would begin to crack open our hearts to see your goodness, to see your beauty, to see your generosity towards us. That you so loved us and this whole world that you gave. That you gave yourself. You gave Jesus to us. And Lord, may we have the commitment the dedication to follow in his kingdom, to do his work, to give first, and to put others first. So God, for whatever we're wrestling with, we offer it to you. Give us your peace. Take away our worry. It's in you we trust. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.